House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. We are back. This is the House of Run podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I am Kevin. He is Jason. Our email address is houseofrun at gmail.com. Getting close to a big day on the calendar. Co-host Jason's birthday. That's right. We're only uh, yeah, a few days away. Um, so that's always fun. I always look forward to you know it mainly for like Halloween and, and stuff surrounding it. Because like, I throw a Halloween birthday party every year. But it's really just about Halloween. It's not really about my birthday. You're a selfless guy. You defer to Halloween. You know, that's impressive. Yeah, that's that's who I am. I'm just uh, all about the spooky, scary. Does do you do it because you think, man, I can't compete with Halloween? I got to just move to the yeah, side. Yeah, how? Do, I mean, how am I supposed to do that? You know, I'm just one man. That's tough. Yeah, I can't compete with all Hollows Eve. That's you're right. There's a lot of spooky there going on, but uh, yeah. By the next time we record, the birthday will have already passed. So I just want to say happy birthday now hey, to you. you officially on the pod. And if someone listens to this on your actual birthday, then it would be appropriate, although you wouldn't know that because you don't get notified every time someone listens to the podcast. That would be a lot of information that you don't need. I kind of want to ask the analytics and stuff if they can just send me, you know, whatever, (laughs) a text message just every time that happens. On your birthday or just all year round? No, just all year round. Yeah, I just want to know every time someone starts the podcast. And then when they stop listening so I can see how many people make it all the way through. (laughs) No, <laughs> no, be, I don't stop it at minute nine. You stopped uh, at minute nine, Noah. <laughs> you missed all our NBA talk at the end. Yeah, well, before the pod today, we did a lot of Blink-182 talk. We did. That'll They're back. It They're air. touring. I'm excited. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite band from when I was a teenager, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Do you think we can get them to play, if it's licensed correctly, through our, our music department, uh, another high school sub four? Do you think they'll play that song? <sighs> That's good, man. Yeah, if it, man, if Blink could just play all the greats, you know, just some of the the American record song, um, <laughs> you know, they could they could pop in pop punk it up a little bit. Like I'm not against that. But you don't even mixes. need to pop punk up the no no the sub four is sub four. is perfect as is, um, okay. and they're all perfect as is. But it's just yeah, you could you could do a little little remix. I was starting to dread the high school sub fours because it's like oh let's add okay nineteenth ever you know just the keeping adding it on and on and on and then we bring it up and then people inevitably which i like the emails but write in hey what's this mean blah, blah, blah. but now that we have a song yeah I'm like looking perfect. forward to high school boys breaking four now so we can just play it as much as possible that's that's my new feeling about that that barrier um when is the right. time and this is obviously not important but like when is the time what number of times breaking sub four do they stop putting that in the article even like this is the 28th oh, do they just never is it, is it 30 is it 50 because at a certain point you just go hey he broke sub four like and you just don't even bring up the history of it anymore i mean my my first instinct is to say never but that's because i i'm not imagining that it's going to get up to 138 which would be weird but it will right but yeah. it will you will yes obviously it's going to just a matter of of when i don't know he becomes the 32nd high school boy to break four i could see that in an article it depends how like local the press is. I was I just guess. gonna say they'll be like, "Well, this is the he's the second guy in Illinois or the first guy in South Carolina or whatever." Sure, you know, whatever. It yes, is. like those will be the things for a while. You're right. There's a local angle, but also what I was saying is just 
if it's your local paper, you're you want to put it in the context of where this person is all time achievement wise, right? And then, na- but nationally, it wouldn't get really brought up. Like it, it would just be, hey, he ran three fifty nine eight for the mile last year, and three or you know now it was he's... the eighth fastest high schooler in the country this year. Yeah, 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 exactly. I guess I guess there is there is a number. I just don't know what it is. Maybe fifty. Yeah, somewhere around there feels about right. But yeah, then they would shift to Illinois or the fourth freshman boy. Yeah, there we to, go. Yeah, is, yeah. Especially yeah, if you do it as anyone but a senior, like that'll be because it'll be hey, you're only the third or fifth or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But I I want it to happen. I hope we get a hundred in a year so that we can play the song. Yes, a hundred times. I think that's uh, that's where my thought process is. All right, we got a lot to talk about here. We got a bunch of emails that I want to read, so we got to run through. Uh, Sydney talking about the 400. Yeah. Kira D'Amato running her fourth marathon of 2022 Love in it. New York City. Uh, got the 2021 Boston Marathon winner provisionally suspend- suspended for doping. Not as fun. Yeah. And then you have Ayana and Dababa making their debut in the marathon. The big 14, or what are we up to now? <laughs> Nine. Nine. Nine, assuming G'day runs fast. That's true, which I am assuming, especially yeah. when, you know. Actually, I wonder, can I name them all? Ooh, I so we had, I, I, I'll, just, I'll lose track. And... So we have Jip Cheer Cheer? Yep. We have the original three. The core three is they're, they're known. Mariano Rivera. No. Uh, Jip Cheer Cheer, Jip Cos Guy, Cos Guy. Yep. Then you had the new group. So London was Yahuwah Yep. Acefa was Berlin. Mm-hmm. Chep and Gedich belongs in there. Yep. So that's six. Then G'day would be seven. And then I think you got to put Ayana and Dababa in there. Just a lot. I mean, because Ayana, that's the fastest ever debut. Dababa is super fast, too. Other people have run um, quicker, but it's because the name recognition. Like, Gonzebe Dababa. Like, she's going to get mentioned before some of these other people who ran faster than her. Yeah. And I, if your debut is 218.0, you know, like, that's good enough. Yeah, like but then like, you have. Okay, yeah. I, I'm looking at the 218 list from 2022. Uh, second in Tokyo, Bakere ran 217.58. Wanjiru, Rosemary Wanjiru, second in Berlin, 218.00. Abacheyu, 218.03, third in Berlin. <laughs> so there's other people that could be on there. I would just, I give, Dababa's going to get mentioned more because she's run 350 in the 1500 and has the world record there. It's a pretty good range. That's pretty good. Yep. Not bad. Thoughts on Ayana? Who are you more surprised about? Um, this is in Am- Amsterdam, by the way. So we have a what a two, what are we at two seventeen? What was Ayana's time? I don't even know the final time. Uh, two seventeen twenty. Right, fastest debut ever. And then we have, you know, she used to hold the world record in the ten. Then we got Dababa, who's still the world record in the five, running two eighteen. Fifteen, right? Yeah. Oh, what did I say? The five, yeah. Oh, 15. My apologies. Uh, yeah, 218.05 for DeBaba. So who, who are you more surprised about? The winner or the second place runner? I mean, I guess DeBaba just based on history. I'm not... The thing was, I wasn't super surprised by either, which just shows where women's marathoning is at right now, how good it is, that I'm just like, well, yeah, if you're really fast, like, coming in, even if it's not in the marathon, I'm like, yeah, you're probably going to run something absurd. Like, if Hassan runs a marathon next week, I'm like, yeah, she'll probably run... 216 217 like that just mm-hmm. seems seems right ayana's obviously been extremely successful at the 5 and 10 but she's also like disappeared for 
seems like years at a time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe she's just, I'm guessing she'll just be a marathoner now, both of them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I guess. Because I, it's, <clears throat> I mean, it's not like it's an easy road to go to the marathon, but, uh, you know, Dababa, the five or ten is not, not that much easier either. I, it's, it's just it's so much talent overflowing. But, uh, yeah, it seems like Ayana was great at the five and ten. She's great, at, you know, just ran the fastest debut ever. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just left going like, yeah, that seems about right. So we talked about why women's marathoning is so fast a little bit uh, in a previous pod. And then now it just keeps getting with – with every race that we get results from. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's add that to the all-time list. But I want to read Noah from Oregon's email on this topic. Yeah. Because it relates to what we're discussing here. You asked the question about why the marathon scene seems to be improving so much right now. And if I heard you right – I think you came away saying we really just don't know. Well, that's every topic on this show. I agree with you that we will never know the degree to which each factor is playing a role, but I think we do know the factors, some of which you mentioned and one which you conspicuously avoided mentioning. You want to guess what that one is, Jason? What did we conspicuously avoid mentioning? I think you can guess. I mean, we threw out the shoes. No, but I a little said, more, I said, a little more scandalous in the shoes, I said Jason. Nonsense. I mean, are we, we we talking we talking some some performance enhancing? We are, but we're going to get to that. That's point number five in Noah's email. Let me read the first four. Here we go. One, the current crop of athletes better trained and drawn from a faster pool of 10k runners than ever before. We know this is true because the era of 31 minute 10k champions is over. As the women's 10k becomes much better, so do the marathon. Um, so this is kind of what we talked about with. Similar thing happening in the men's. Uh, look at the half marathon times as well. These women are much better. Uh, hold on. Look at the f- – yeah, so to the uh, half marathon times as well. These women are much faster, excuse me, in the key distances that lead into the becoming a marathoner. What was Uta Pippik's 10K PR? She was a dominant force in the marathon. Uh, third fastest all-time but never broke 15 in the 5 or 31 in the 10. Those days are over too. The psychological advantage of having other women in the world or perhaps even one's own training group running so fast, seeing it done, as you said, makes it much more real for all of us and opens a lot of psychological doors that doubt in previous generations uh, held firmly shut. Athletes have a new and better mindset when it comes to the marathon. We know this because of how they attack the first half of the race. Splits don't lie. The respect, aka fear of the distance has diminished a lot. Three, the shoes are real. In fact, they're recently described as more than shoes, a whole structure of plates and springs that you carry around to land on far removed from the ground. I was going to say, is that written by the shoe industry? And I guess it is because it's in quotes. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't run a race of them, you can feel free to continue doubting. But for those of us who alternate our training between traditional shoes and super shoes, we know that they make a massive difference both in pace while running and in recovery time. If it took some athletes a year or two of training in them, fine. But delayed results doesn't mean the benefits aren't there. A couple of years of training this hard, this often should result in improved results across the board, which is what we're seeing. Four, in major marathons around the world, as well as second-tier races like Dubai, Valencia, and Amsterdam, race directors are intentionally setting up their events to be run as de facto time trials. I See, I think this is – we didn't mention this one. I think this is, this is a big one. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't want to rank his points. We'll do that in a, a, a later pod, power ranking Noah's points, but this is a good one. The requested pace set by the Rabbits is such that very few tactical marathons are left. Outside of New York and Boston, most races are run from the front as record attempts. This has, over the last few years, resulted in a lot of fast times, if not the great mano mano battles we remember the fast, from the past. Excuse me. Five, the one factor you conveniently omitted was doping. Jason, you conveniently omitted that because you are 
an apologist. Okay, drugs are sadly part of our sport. Like you guys, I don't like to speculate who is doing what until we have actual confirmation from an actual doping agency. But it doesn't mean I can forget that it's out there. Just because we don't catch every doper doesn't mean people aren't doping. It's just a fact that there are more and more options for athletes to microdose multiple different products and squeeze small gains from each one. The gray area is bigger than in prior generations as well with multiple products on the market that are technically legal but outside the Gatorade and Bananas approach most non-elite runners are taking. I'm as excited as you guys to watch this era of marathoning unfold and hopefully we won't have a letdown like we did after the Lance Armstrong era in cycling. Keep up the great pod. That is Noah in Oregon. Okay, so let's go through these one by one. Let's start from the top here. One, uh, give me your thoughts on current crop of athletes better trained and drawn from a faster pool of 10K runners. Yeah, you know, I think that's, I mean, for sure. Uh, it's just seems like there is a, but, and then I guess you just go, oh, so there's just a talent boom in the 10K and not in the marathon then? Because the extra runners have to come from, it's not like the 10K is dry, right? So mm-hmm. we just, the women's distance running is just really, really good right now. So that depth is happening regardless. And maybe more women are going to the marathon. But like I said, we're not seeing reduced results in the 10K. So that just tells me that there's, better athletes in general or there's surplus in the 10k because it is taking so much to do well in the 10k yeah that maybe you move to you see the results in the marathon or you just look at so there's someone in your training group it's like man that person's faster than me and they're running the 10 i need to move up like like my career needs to be in the marathon because that's the bar that it, that is being set all right two psychological advantage yeah i think i thought this i mean this was one i kind of harped on last time where I, I thought this is a big part. Obviously it's not everything, but I do think having uh that better crop of athletes knowing that you can run two sixteen and two seventeen when just yeah. people wouldn't even attempt it before. Like yeah. it was just like, hey, we're gonna go out in seventy or sixty nine thirty. Like that yeah. was an aggressive pace and now it's a completely different world. Well I think that goes hand in hand with four, which is the race directors setting up for faster sure. races. Like I think that goes hand in hand. Because if you say, hey, we're going to set this up for 216 before anybody was running that fast, except for, like, what? No, don't do that. Right? Yeah. That would be what? what? Why did I fly all the way over here? This is crazy. Uh, I'll go back here to three. Shoes. They're real, Jason. I know you said before, well, why now on the shoes? Why not a few years ago? And he Noah says if it took some athletes a year or two of training in them, fine. Delayed results doesn't mean the benefits aren't there. Uh, I think, as always, there's a little bit of benefit from the shoes. Uh, I, I, to me, this is... Uh, it's a, hold on. It's not shoes. It's a whole structure of plates and springs <laughs> that carry around to land. Where's the... Noah, tell me where this quote came from. I love it. Yeah. I, love well, I mean, but... Okay, so the men had the boom from the shoes in, like, 2019 or 2018, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. just... You cannot go... Well, the women took three years to figure it out. <laughs> like, the benefits of the shoes. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Are the shoes better? Yes. Uh, I don't buy that it took several years for them to show the effects in the women's races it just doesn't make that logically to me that makes zero sense all right so then that brings you to five i think you're all in on this one then <laughs> drugs <laughs> there's always Thoughts. a possibility right i mean like everybody no th- that's the thing it's like okay so now we're in the, the possible big nine and like everything's happening yeah at this point you're talking massive conspiracy and, and things like that so i just don't buy it you know i mean uh like you mentioned, you know, top of show, 2021 Boston Marathon winner, mm-hmm. suspended for dopamine positive. Those will those will pop up. I still believe the testing is really, really good. Um, maybe you don't catch them in the moment, but you'll catch them soon after. So maybe two years from now, we'll go, well, a couple of those women, whatever. But, like, the talent's just too strong all the way around. And 
uh, you know, people have been trying to dope forever. It's It'll never be perfect. And I know the doping's always ahead of the testing, blah, blah, blah. But I just, I don't think we have more reason to believe that athletes are dirtier now than they were. Yeah. So Kipyoki suspended a substance called triamcinolone, right? And then just whole last week, we're recording this on a Thursday. There's been like five in total, like Kenyan specific suspensions. Like it just, it keeps coming. It's like press release after press release from the AIU. There's been like the latest one this, this morning, um, an athlete who, uh, Kip Serum, who had won in uh, Amsterdam before and was part of the Ineos project as one of the Pacers, 204 marathon runner. And you can look at that two ways. Oh my gosh, look how dirty this is. But also, hey, yeah, there's people cheating and they're doing a better job of catching the people who are cheating. Right. Right. So again, sure. Would it surprise me if any one of the big whatever we're at gets caught? No, I mean Rita Jeptu, that wasn't that long ago. Right. She yeah. You know, she won she was the best woman in the world and and we've had Olympic medalists recently in the women's marathon test positive. I don't know if it's yeah, are the roads right now less clean than than the track? I mean there's just like I could see that being the I mean I have to look at the numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but it sure feels that way just in terms of sheer number of positives and the fact that the roads is not that many events. That's compared to you're all. tested less often, right? I mean, presumably. sure, yeah. Well, there's so many people involved in it too. I guess I mean between all the track events, there's a lot of people, but and there are some of these positives that come out, and you're like, okay, that person's run fast, but I've never heard of them. Yep. Um, I I put that separate from someone like Kipyoki, who we've we've heard of. She she won a major race, but we thought. I mean, I'm not. We're not conveniently omitting this. Like we've followed the sport long enough. We know that there's doping in the sport. But it's also like, I think it's a bit of a stretch to be like, that's what's response. I would buy the shoes are a much bigger uh, reasoning for this than just the doping. Because then you're just like, okay, every single one of these people, because even if it's half, that's still a huge number of people running fast right now. And I know with each person, it, it decreases the impact. Um, and it can be a combination, right? Maybe for some people, it's one of these reasons. And then for another group of people, it's it's another one. But I just think it's um, it's part of the sport. And if he goes in and talk about microdosing and stuff too and, and how it's hard to catch people. But man, with whereabouts violations and people getting popped for that, I know it's not perfect, but it feels like it's it's they're trying out there. Like they're trying to catch people. And there were previous decades where there was very little effort at all. And we're comparing eras here, right? Yeah. So is this the cleanest era? No one's going to stand up and be like, this is the cleanest era ever. And last month there were 30 positives right. because because you'd sound, you'd sound ridiculous. People would be like, well, what? But as David Epstein once said, sometimes the efficacy – I'm not going to quote him very well here. and He's a very smart guy. So just forget that. But basically saying – Sometimes how many people, you know, a lot of positives mean the program is working yeah. like to catch cheaters, not the other way around. Yeah. People are going to try to cheat like in any hit in the history of sports. Like that's just the way it is, whether it's with performance in drugs or just any way you can do it. M- big money is on the line. Pride. Or of, trash cans. Yeah. Trash cans. <laughs> pride. Hollowed out books. Whatever it is. Um, people are going to try to cheat. But I, I do think, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not. You know, gonna put my head in the clouds completely, but like I've always been like hey, sand, sand, head in the sand. I have my head in the clouds too. I'm kind of walking around, <laughs> head in the clouds. Um, 
But like, I also don't believe, you know, that obviously just like, hey, everybody's um, clean all the time. Like, there's there's no way anything's wrong. But I also like without it there, like, there's no point in speculating because it's just like, what? Why? So you could say, oh, I told you. Like, that's literally the only reason to speculate a drug cheat. Is so you can mm-hmm. be like, well, I tried to tell everybody and no one listened to me because, like, we don't know. We just don't know. Like, sometimes you go, well, that looks really suspicious. But, like, weird stuff well, happens in sports. Well, and if it's one or two specific instances, it's like, okay, man, this person PR'd by eight minutes. But we're talking about this bigger trend that's sweeping the whole event at this point. And you're right. It could be there could be some massive conspiracy and we'll all end up like we were uh, – we were off base. But I also assume – I mean the reason why I didn't bring it up, if, if I had to write a paper for a class about it, I probably would have mentioned it, right? But like I just assume our audience knows about PEDs. So I, I think that sort of just goes without saying. Like, yep, there's a good chance that people out there right now who are running fast are breaking some rules. And maybe they'll get caught. Maybe they won't. But also aside from that, it's just – it reminds me of um, a little piece I wrote back in the day, Jason. It's about a uh, wind gauge. Mm. Um, I recall. 10.49, Flojo's time. And a lot of people's comments were like talking about how they suspected she was using drugs. And my thing – and I even included this in the piece just because I knew that was going to be the argument. My counterargument was, okay, but if she was – using drugs, right? Was she just using them for this one race, right? And was everybody in the field also only using them for this one race, which produced this outlier time? Right. Because you can say, okay, yes. Yeah, every everybody was doing it. But then why was it all happening? Why was the benefit from, from that cheating only taking place in this one race, in this one time? And that's where we get into the wind gauge and all this other stuff that was... That, that was happening and all the other stuff that was um, making that race like historically fast, right? So it's like you can kind of – you can try to isolate certain instances and certain certain variables, but it doesn't mean that that – we're ignorant about it happening just as I'm not ignorant about stuff like that happening in the 80s. I'm not ignorant about it happening now. I just think that would be an incomplete answer. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, and it's it's like I said, it's one of those things where I do feel like, yeah, I'm not going to say this is the cleanest era ever, but I think they're trying you to get a find shirt. cheaters better, you like than shirt. they ever have, cleanest right? Like ever. cleanest era ever. Um, yeah, I just, I just, you know, like I said, like I, I don't think every drug, you know, someone getting busted for drugs is is pointing out the flaws in it. It might just be like, hey, look, we're catching cheaters, and sometimes they're really fast, and that's the way it's going to be. But I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't buy it. And if I end up looking stupid for because uh, some big conspiracy comes out, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you're on record as saying that. Yep. I'd rather look stupid later. I'm going to believe I'm going to believe performances in the moment. Like cuz what I, the alternative is just going, "Oh, oh you guys are cheering." Well, <laughs> I don't know. This looks awfully suspicious to me. And it's like, "What's the f- why why watch the sport at all? It's not fun." Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, you got this big number of athletes, right? And then you just go to the all-time list. And it's basically Paula Radcliffe and then this era, right? Right. It's Paula Radcliffe and then 2017 on. And you could say, again, you could say it's all, okay, 2017, that's the shoes and 
and that's it. And that's fine. Like if that's what you want to, if, if that's where you believe the gains and improvements come from, that's fine. I just, I still think it's an interesting question to ask. And then I also layered on top of that. Okay. Even amongst the shoe era, which we're in, why, you know, why 2022, why is that so much better than, you know, 2021 or 2019 as well too. I just think it's an interesting question. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I, I do think Noah's right. Like, obviously, it's, I don't think it's one thing. It, it is a combo of a bunch of different things. Thing. It, it, that's, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with him there. Yeah. If it was a one thing topic, it's just, it wouldn't be interesting to talk about. Right. Right? You know, no one would have podcasts. We'd all have... It's like there was those, like, weird suits in swimming there for a while, right? Like, where everyone, where it was just like, hey, we have to outlaw yeah. these because literally it's, <laughs> everyone's scooting way faster. And you're like, okay, well, that's pretty easy to pin down. But yeah, well, th- imagine the podcast back then. It's like s- topic of the podcast. What causes these drop in swimming times? And it's like, welcome to House to Swim. I'm Kevin. He's Jason. Jason, what cause? What's causing these fast times in swimming? Yeah. Well, um, the suits came out, and then every record was broken. All right, let's go to email. Email address: house to swim at gmail.com. Yeah, it wouldn't be fun. I think it'd be the backyard to swim. Oh, you don't think I have an indoor pool? You don't think I can uh, afford that's that? True. Yeah, you probably can. Living fancy out there in Austin. You jerk. <laughs> All right. So we touched on uh, Ayana, Dababa. Anything else on, on the Kipyoki positive or any of these other Kenyan uh, suspensions or provisional suspensions? There's a lot of them coming. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, it's one of those things where, like you said, there's a few of the names, even though they've run fast, that I haven't necessarily heard of. Um, I don't even fully know exactly what this. Uh, triam saloon is like like what it means what, like what it does exactly but uh I think yeah. it can be anti-inflammatory is what it can be mm, okay it's banned in competition so she failed an in competition test gotcha so you could use it uh in boston yeah okay um, um yeah i mean it's one of those things like yeah, i said yeah you get get busted and that's uh it's never good when a winner like gets busted right like because it's just like doesn't it's not a good look for the sport but uh i'm always happy when People who aren't doing the right stuff get caught. And then that would mean Edna Kiplagat was the 2021 Boston Marathon <laughs> champion at, at age 41. I love it. That that actually makes me just happy because Edna Kiplagat is is amazing. Happy and sad because if she had had the moment. That, it, 100%. That, that, that is one of those things that always bums you out like where it's like, oh, okay, good. I'm glad they're giving her the goal, you know, whatever, the, the win after the fact. But like you can't really replace the in the moment of, of winning a race, whether it's, you know, marathon on track, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and you're uh, like, you look at the Wikipedia page, right? Like five, ten years later, it's like, oh, twenty twenty one Boston Marathon champion. Like, okay, cool. And then when you you're using these arguments, like who was who was the best athlete of this era, that era? It's great to have, but they didn't cross the line first that day, which is yeah, the like one of the most unfortunate parts about it. Yeah, and uh, I mean that does give her major marathon wins in 2010 and 2021. So I'm, is that the biggest gap for, I mean, she, she wants a couple in between, but as far as like winning a major, you know, from 11 years apart. Yeah. I, I, I know, I know, uh, Kipchoge is going to get there when, when he gets 11 years from his, uh, from his start, but what, so 11 years, what was Meb's? Ooh, Meb's a good one. That's, that's, awesome. well, I don't think it's close. I don't think it's, that's a good uh, good poll, at least. But and there's well, probably no. somebody who did. No, it's not even close. Oh nine to for wins, you're going oh nine to fourteen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So that's I mean, you know, ten to 
10 to 21. That's a pretty uh, that's pretty crazy. But he had silver in Athens in 2004, and then wins Boston in 2014. So not quite the same thing, but that's 10 years. If you know someone who won marathon, and there's probably someone from like 1962 who you know won at 19 and then won at 48, and it's like okay, yeah. well, well they didn't have majors back then. Yeah, so like in, in this, you know, in the last whatever 20 odd years, like I'd be curious if anybody else is is close. I'm on Meb's Wikipedia page here. It says Kofleski uses nine day training cycles instead of traditional training weeks. I've heard of ten. I didn't know. Huh. That's awesome. That's got some six minute ab vibes to it. Right? <laughs> I love it. We've probably already talked about this, but just discovering new things on Meb's Wikipedia. All right, uh, Kiramato, New York City. Yeah, fourth marathon of 2022. Her third in what July? And then one in when was Berlin? September. Yeah. Yeah, the thing so is that be... they're getting closer and closer together as, as they go. Is the, is the is the thing? It's you know the first one was in what January, right? Yeah, American record. Um, so she goes January sixteenth, July eighteenth. Mm-hmm. So you're talking a good six month break there. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. good. July eighteenth to September twenty fifth. Like okay, now you're just talking nine weeks, and now you're going September twenty fifth to November. What is it? Early November, I think. Right. Yeah. So you're talking it's... six weeks. Yeah. Like uh, it surprised me. I, surprised I suspect me. she's running the Jingle Ball Jog Marathon too in Las Vegas, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Sunday, November sixth. Yeah, so six weeks. So yeah, she went six months, eight weeks or nine weeks, six weeks. I'm excited to see her run, obviously. I mean it's you know, she, yeah, she's she's cool. really good and she's really fun and I'm always intrigued anytime someone kinda does this, um, just because we don't see a lot of people. I just want marathoners to kind of get on the same page. Like Yuki can keep doing his Yuki things. Yeah, yeah but I Yuki just, is cool. the best, and that's what we, why we love him. But I want everybody to agree on three. Can we agree on three that's, a year? Yeah, and maybe this, you know, part. I think, and I think a lot of people probably would do three. And sometimes, you know, Olympic years, you see it a lot more often, obviously. Um, but if the schedule like was set up that way, I mean, right now it's mainly set up for spring fall. Mm-hmm. And like, if you, you know, if there was more you know, kind of whatever, January, May, October, or something, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I think you'd see a lot more people doing it. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk Sydney. Yeah. Sydney McLaughlin Lavrone says she wants to run the quarter. Our friend Nick Sicardi of NBC Olympic Talk posted last week with some quotes, said she wants to run the quarter, not going to leave the 400 hurdles entirely but they want to she wants to quote expand to the 400 flat and see what's possible and then they start talking about that world record of 4760 so i'm excited i just want to say that <laughs> yes Get that on the record here first because the, there's two different things here there's the hey i'm gonna run the quarter which is awesome and then there's hey i'm thinking of running fast enough to break what most people think is an unbreakable record but i'm the greatest already at my event and i'm still so young and this could be the most entertaining thing you could ever watch and track part of it that's a big part of it too so this is great i'm all in 100 percent. i didn't think she was going to do this yeah i mean it, it, it this is obviously best case scenario um because yeah i mean it's as amazing as she is at the 400 hurdles and you know she'll continue to break her world records i guess and just that that is that is fun to watch on its own um 
I do think she has sub 48 potential in the 400. Um, I think it's obvious. I mean, she split that, I guess, already. But, like, I, I expect her to break 48 in the 400. Um, what about 47.60? I think it's on the table for sure. Like, Really? Yeah. I think it's possible. I, I don't. I'm not saying she's going to get it for sure, but I think it is an absolutely realistic possibility. I think she's that talented. Um, Jeez, that's so fast. It's, man. Oh, it's insane. Like I think her. You know, I, I I think if like she just going into this year, if she put everything she had into the 400, like I think she's easily a 48 low. Like like that to me is a no brainer. Um, oh yes, yeah. But there's just a huge gap between that and 47.60. No, for sure. But like at the same time, like just the way she kept improving at the four hundred hurdles, yeah, and what she ran in the four hundred hurdles, like I, I don't know. Once you once you break forty eight, like then it's I guess it's on the table. Um, you know, even in the insane Nasser race, she didn't get particularly close as as insane as that was. Only bummer of this, I guess, is Shawnee Moebo was moving away from the four. Um, yeah, which that stinks. You yeah, know, that stinks because it's and and you know that would have been obviously a fascinating matchup. Um. But yeah, I, I think this is this is the move that gets me the most excited for sure. Because yeah, yeah. Listen, I love it. It's amazing, and it's coupled with the fact that she's gotten everything out of the quarter. Like she can go faster in the four meter hurdles, but at this point, it's diminishing returns. Yeah. Like she had, she already broke the time barrier that we didn't think was possible going under fifty one. Yep. It's you're gonna get extra points for running under fifty, which would be <laughs> crazy, but. There's more to gain here. Here's here's a few reasons why I think this is going to be very hard, other than the fact that the record is going to be, what, 38 years old next year. One, let's just look it up from this perspective. Nasser, okay, throw her out because she got suspended if you want to. Let's just think of Shawnee Miller-Weibo. Right. 48-36. And then she ran a 48-37. So I think that gives us a pretty good idea of what Miller-Weibo, like what her – true capability was yeah those are both in championship races one of them she was had competition in doha when she actually lost one of them she won so to do this sydney would need to run so much faster what is that almost eight tenths of a second faster than miller Weibo did now it's not impossible to run faster than miller Weibo when she runs that fast because nasser did it yeah. again she got suspended for doping so read into that what you will this is becoming a like a doping caveat episode yep um but again, even Nasser, that's more than a half a second behind. Yeah. That's one. No, that's huge. The second, the second way I think of this as being really, really tough, she split 47-9 this year Yeah, on the re- in, in the relay, which is great. Felix split that 47-7 before, but that's still a pretty big distance from 47-6. I know she's not training exclusively for the 400, but she'd have to run faster than a very fast relay split, which she ran in pretty good conditions. However... I will say this. There's a very short list of people who are never going to get a that's impossible for me. And it's for good reason. Yeah. Currently competing. One of them is Mondo Duplantis. If he said he wants to vault, what, 635 one day? Right. I'd say, well, that seems a little bit out there, but I'm not going to bet against him. The other person is Sydney. That's probably where Kipchoge that's would be Kipchoge. the other person. Yeah. yeah. So those would be the three. That's the list right now of people who can say anything about what they think their potential is, and I'm going to give them at least a shot at doing it. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Um, Also, I mean, she just turned 23. Um, She's, you know, 
should be right in her prime right now. Like, I mean, obviously based on what she just did in the, in the 400 hurdles. Um, so uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, I hope she does, you know, basically fully focus on the 400 and I think she could break 48. Obviously 47, six is, you know, that's still, still a ways out there. So I, I think it's less likely than it is likely, but I mm-hmm. don't think it's impossible. And I've basically thought it was impossible for every other 400 meter runner ever so it's it's uh just the fact that she could um is is exciting and she's used to running alone um it would be awesome if shawnee miller was there to push her yeah but she's used to kind of being out there um by herself you also have a situation where like she's got these major championships coming up too and she's got to figure out what she wants to do there olympics in 24 she doesn't need to double up on any one day but in 2023 there is that one day where it's the first round of one and the semis of the other i've already forgotten because it doesn't matter how do you think this her her statements here how do you think it'll impact what she decides to do in championship season yeah i and i mean she's so good in both and i mean even with that double up like she could jog and qualify forward for both um i forget what the final schedule looks like it does maybe hurt her chances of running something even more absurdly fast just because you know you're, you're doubling up but um i don't know i mean even if even if the the semis of one and the and the first round of the other are an hour apart like she could qualify yeah. for both of those so easily yeah so like i i, I think she will double um next year and you know i guess 2024 like why not if, if the schedule makes it easy um and then maybe after that she makes the full full transition is there anything else she could have said that would have made you more com- like i this went farther than i thought it was going to go yeah because they didn't need to be talking about world record like her bobby Kirsch didn't need to be mentioning world record no for sure this i actually think yeah this is kind of a best case scenario i can't really imagine (laughs) um you know she doesn't say say a ton right so the fact that we got this much about you know the world record and everything like that i think this is kind of a yeah perfect perfect storm yeah again i just it's weird because i felt like for a while that was all about expectation management expectation management and now they're thinking huh Let's go after an impossible world record. Yeah. Something that nobody thought could be broken. I love it. And I, I just wait, you know, when you want to 50, see. 68 in the 400 hurdles, like, yeah, you just go, yeah, why shouldn't I be able to run three seconds faster without these things in my way? Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the feeling of we literally have accomplished everything we set out to do. And yeah. yeah like all... What else? I mean, can she do at this point? Right. I mean, she's, she's nearing, uh, you know, well, you said one more gold in the four hurdles is what you said to to be the good to be the i mean she's already the best ever but to like have the undisputed resume but i i do think she'll do both um she's gonna double at least one of those years yeah a hundred percent and then maybe she takes two years off to play for the birmingham barons and then comes back <laughs> wearing a different number uh because that's where she's at at this point yeah all right let's go to email house of run at gmail.com is the email address here we go. Let's uh, – should we go – oh, it's 
Oh, uh, Noah, same Noah. Yeah. Want, says, was one of you in Portland this week? If so, how was the running? I, I don't think he knows that you don't run anymore. <laughs> yeah, I well, I used to. Uh, my my, my <laughs> knees and my it just it's, it's it's as much as I miss it, and I try to do it on occasion, but I can't do it with any consistency, and my knees just get get really bad. Uh, I didn't even tell you we did not go to Portland. Uh, my wife what? was very sick the morning oh. we were leaving, and we could huh. not go, so we had to we had to cancel last second. Wow, that really got depressing. <laughs> it was a bummer. I mean, like you know, and the wife, well, the wife is fine, and she was she was super bummed. Um, but uh, yeah, we were we were getting we had an early morning flight, and uh, we waking up, and then all of a sudden, you know, she started getting sick, and then wouldn't stop getting sick, and she was still trying to convince herself that she could go, and it was, but it, it was clearly uh, it was clearly done at that point. Jeez, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry, ma'am. Yeah, this no, is it was, just it was bad luck for you and vacations, you right? The... Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll you know we'll do something to make up for it soon. But uh... okay, well, if you do go running, Noah's got some spots for you. No, good. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, I, like I said, I do miss it. My wife is even less likely to run than me. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, brisk walk, maybe. Right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, Steve. Asks if we have a WhatsApp or any other way to send a voice message from the UK. Can't we just do vo- voice memo? Just attach the voice memo? Yeah. Does that work? Yeah, I think that would be the easiest if you record the voice memo on your phone and just uh, attach it to an email. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Let's do that. Okay. Um, here's Brian. Hey, guys. In last week's pod, you mentioned that you thought the world record would be below 213 by the end of next year. With G'day running in Valencia in a few weeks, I think the world record goes below 212 this year. Oh, wow. Her half record is insane. I think she gets better as she goes up in distance. Her half converts to sub 211, depending on the conversion you use. I go with double the half and add five minutes. Valencia is fast. She'll have plenty of time for a buildup since Worlds. Chepengedich has a half PR 70 seconds slower than Gaudet, and Chepengedich probably would have run 213 if she didn't go in 65. Needless to say, my expectations for Gaudet and Valencia are high. That is Brian, the emailer, formerly from Raleigh in Pennsylvania, but now from Boulder. Drink. Yeah, if she does that, then that's just like a whole other level. Like then we're thinking about the two fifteen and two sixteen times as a bygone era. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I mean, man, that seems insane, but I, I get the logic; it makes sense. Um, yeah, that's. But yeah, if she runs like two thirteen, or maybe even high two twelve, like I won't be super shocked if she runs two eleven something. I will be legit blown away. <laughs> yeah, that's where it gets silly. Uh, I mean, a two twelve should be legit silly and uh, insane, but just based on what's been happening, it's like I, I don't know what limits to place here anymore. Yeah, I think neck by the end of next year, we're gonna have something in two twelves. Actually, maybe the end of spring marathon season, so it could be at the beginning of next year. But I, I don't that that would be that would be a good day specific insane performance because then then you wouldn't even really talk about just women's marathoning as a whole. You'd have to be like, wait, this person's another what two minutes faster than everybody else on top of that which should be yeah and she was obviously you know i mean we know she's good in a time trial situation so yes i mean it's it's obviously the marathon's a different beast but i expect her to be very very good but uh yeah Mm -hmm. when you you know set out to run the five and ten k world records and you do it um that that helps your argument what if she tedesses it and just runs like 221 be it's so confusing yeah uh, it, it would but you know there are those certain uh, uh times when that just for whatever reason the marathon just doesn't carry over to that um i don't think that'll be the case with her but you never know 
All right, here is – oh, this is a long one. Oh, this is the one about Klaus, the bottle guy. Yeah. It's a long one. This is uh, from Chris, the emailer formerly from Mattoon, Illinois, home of the Green Wave, currently from Chicago. Drink. Gents, somehow I became – I've become the emailer responsible for answering hyper-technical rules slash legal questions regarding racketeering, the Rodchenkov anti-doping act nexus with the Commerce Clause – or the short course prevention factor. So, of course, I'm here to answer Ivan's question from episode 662 about the rules for Klaus the Bottle Guy because my life is that is an absurdity. <laughs> so, of course, I knew the answer to this. This is covered by World Athletics Rule 55.8 and USATF Rule 241, which are functionally identical. Because we're talking about Kipchoge and Klaus, citations will be made to relevant earth sports provisions. Here are the answers to the questions, including subparts. Question, is there a limit to the amount of uh, these water station areas? Answer, there's a set minimum but no set maximum, although if you overdid it with the aid, stations, things could get fuzzy. Rule 55.82, for all events, water shall be available at suitable intervals or approximately 5 kilometers. For events longer than 10K, refreshments other than water may be made available at these points. Note, where conditions warrant taking into account the nature of the event, the weather conditions, and the stat, state of fitness of the majority of the competitors, water and or refreshments may be placed at a more regular intervals along the route. So, for example, Boston gets away with having aid stations approximately every mile. They could, under my reading of the rules for elites, have bottles available equally as often. But my guess is that the elites wouldn't want that as navigating the bottle tables can be hectic as is. All right, makes sense. Yep, agreed. Next question. What are the rules for handing these water bottles? Is there a rule for the area he has to stand in. Answer, water bottles must be handed only from officially designated aid stations, rule 55.85. The organizer shall delineate by barriers, tables or markings on the ground, the area from which refreshments can be received or collected. It should not be directly in the line of the measured route. Refreshments shall be placed so that they're easily accessible to or may be put by authorized persons into the hands of the athletes. Such persons shall remain inside the designated area and not enter the course nor obstruct any athlete. No official or authorized person shall under any circumstance move beside an athlete while they are taking refreshment or water. So, yeah, you got that's why you got to get off the bike. Yep. Uh, how strict are those lines is the other question. Are they like the NBA coaches, regularly ignored? If someone just hands you a water bottle like your coach is standing at the 23-mile mark and threw a bottle at you, is that not permitted in the elite section? The answer, pretty strict. The rules say that the course referee should give a warning for a first offense, but they're not required to give a warning prior to disqualification. And something blatant like your own coach handing you a bottle outside of an aid station very well might result in immediate disqualification. Rule 55.5.8, an athlete who receives or collects refreshment or water from a place other than the official stations except where provided for medical reasons from or under the direction of race officials or takes the refreshment of another athlete should – that's a funny side far there uh, – for a first such offense be warned by the referee normally by showing a yellow card. For a second offense, the referee shall disqualify the athlete normally by showing a red card. See, we need more so there's cards. there's yellow and red cards. I did not know we had yellow and red cards in Maribyrnong. Well, they have them from race walking. They're left over from race walking. Mm, that's right. So they, just, they have a stack of cards at the finish line. Makes sense. The athlete shall then immediately leave the course. Note, an athlete may receive from or pass to another athlete refreshment, water, or sponges provided it was carried from the start or collected or received an official aid station. However, any continuous support from an athlete to – uh, to one or more others in such a way may be regarded as unfair assistance and warnings and or disqualifications as outlined above may be applied. 
regarding whether a non-elite could receive something from their spouse along the course. I know this happens all the time, but it is technically a rule violation. I haven't heard of anyone getting DQ'd for something like that if it doesn't impact the top standings or prize money, but it could technically happen. The rules do not differentiate between competitors. And finally, regarding Klaus, how do you keep yourself from getting too fired up with that guy handing you bottles? Answer, the rules are silent on this point. Uh, that is Chris. Yeah, it's like, I mean, pacing, right? Like you could jump in to a marathon with me and pace me as I try to run three hours. Not, No one's going to care. Right. Really. Like in terms of the finish times. But if someone, if Kip, if Bekele hops in and decides to, to join forces with Kipchoge midway through, that's what makes that, that's not permittable, permissible. That's why Breaking 2 and Ineos, they did all those things with the rotating rabbits. They had the bottles being handed by the person who was walking or uh, on a bike, right? All those little tiny things they did because they thought it would speed things up. Or maybe they just want to see how many rules they could break. <laughs> Because maybe that didn't matter at all. Because I feel like if you take Klaus and put him in the Ineos system, Kipchoge runs faster. <laughs> Definitely possible. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. you know, obviously grabbing bottles and stuff, you're talking, you know, yeah. fractions of seconds, probably, just by, like, the veering slightly off course mm-hmm. from what you were doing. Um, that's why when he mentioned, like, throwing a bottle, like, I was starting to think, like, oh, if you had someone who's, like, perfectly throwing a bottle, yeah, would it, would it save you half a second? I don't know probably not worth the risk that you're not going to catch it um or that was poorly thrown a hundred percent um but could be uh, russell wilson out there yeah right right? topical sports reference (laughs) uh but it also cracks me up of course we have someone who's an expert at this exact thing because no matter what question is asked we have a listener who is an expert in that thing and it well chris is amazing chris is an expert in everything and he needs to watch out because i'm just going to email him non-running stuff that confuses me (laughs) But like, how is it that Great Britain has another prime minister? Like, what's going on here? Can you can you break this down for me? And he'll be like, "Oh yeah, actually, I did my dissertation." <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of the Parliament over there. Okay, we got a couple here from Marshall, and then we're gonna end with some more goat talk. Yeah. Okay, Marshall. Uh, first pitch follow up. Remember, he threw the first pitch yeah. at the Cardinals game. Uh, I just want to answer some of your questions about my first pitch. Unfortunately, I am not yet a big shot local celebrity, nor have I accomplished anything of merit given back to the community or served in the armed forces. Instead, I won a local grocery grocery chain contest through the store's mobile app that I randomly entered. I'm assuming I'm the only person who uses the app, which means that I should win the outdoor pizza oven they are raffling off in October. So he he got to throw out the first pitch for a Cardinals game through a contest. I love this so much. When I received the email that I won from a nondescript uh, oh, mar- marketing at Deerberg's account, I guess that's the name of the grocery store, my first reply was, is this real? As I immediately assumed it was a scam from a Nigerian prince. I was actually signed up to run the Twin City 10-miler that same weekend. The first pitch was on Saturday and Twin City 10-miler was on Sunday. However, since it was a 6:15 game, there was no way I was going to make it to Minneapolis for the race the next morning. Totally worth not going to Minneapolis. Yeah. A couple of other items. One, they asked you to provide... Uh, and about me for the announcer to read. The answer I submitted was, quote, Marshall participates in full contact origami, remodels train stations on his lunch break, repairs electrical appliances free of charge on Wednesdays, and discovered the meaning of life years ago but forgot to write it down. He says, the announcer took one look at the sheet of paper with my answer and said, Marshall is a big Cardinals fan. (laughs) 
which has got to be a lie, right? There's no one as cool as Marshall who would actually voluntarily cheer for the Cardinals. Right. That, I, I mean, Marshall's answer is very Douglas Adams-y, and I, I love it so much. Who's that? Oh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy writer. Okay. Um, very, very clever, funny writer. All your literary analysis just goes over my head. Yes. Two. The first pitch was about 30 minutes before the game, so there was probably only 10,000 people in the stands, even though the game was sold out. So not as much pressure as one would think. Three, it was pretty surreal jogging out onto the mound and seeing myself in the Jumbotron. Four, I had not thrown a baseball since being cut from my high school team about 16 years ago. However, I had a coworker who just happened to have two gloves and a tennis ball in his car. We played catch for 15 to 20 minutes four times Good. Uh, before in our parking lot. We did not feel comfortable using a hardball, though, as I likely would have broken a window or dented someone's car. Five, what you do not see in the video is that there are approximately 30 people standing behind home plate during my first pitch, none of whom are paying attention to me. As a result, when the ball left my hand, I thought for sure I was going to hit someone. Fortunately, I'm not that strong and came up just short of hitting anyone. Six, my friends and I joked afterward that it would have been hilarious or terrible if the relief pitcher serving as my catcher would have torn his Achilles or broke his ankle while jumping to try and catch my overthrow. All the best. That is Marshall from St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. Drink. Okay. So I thought even more about this. You know how I always said I was, I'm like irrationally confident about how good I would be at this? Yeah. I'm even more confident because the the only 10,000 people in the stands thing I think helps. And That's also, people, but if you fail, there's no way you're going to fail as bad as some celebrities who have failed. 100%. This, right? Overall, no one cares, right? Like unless you like injure somebody or yourself maybe. You'd have to, to make it to make a throw worse than 50 cent. Yeah. Right? Or, or whoever it is out there. You can look at the whole compilation. Cincinnati Mayor. He is way up there too. I haven't even seen that one. I'm, I'm going to have to Google that one. one. Yeah. But like you'd have to be so bad for a person not of prominence to go viral because of how bad their throw is. So I would have no pressure. And you know what I would do? I'd walk up to the kitchen before and I'm like, I'm throwing a splitter. Be ready. I'm calling my pitch. I, I love the confidence. I would, uh, yeah, I would love to see. It. I know, you know, I, I wonder does how much of this confidence comes from the last couple years with your son playing a lot of baseball. Before that, you, you probably hadn't thrown a baseball much in, in decades, right? Correct. Like, as I said last time, hold on, I'm watching the Cincinnati Mayor right here. All right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it just went left. Pretty, yeah, like yeah. He held, I think he just holds on to it way too long. Is that what happens? I'm trying to – I just sent it to you. But oh, I, like, it just goes – like, I've never, thrown a, I've never thrown a ball like that. No. Like, some of these misses are so bad, I couldn't even try to throw it that poorly. Like, there's no way – I could move my hand. Like, I could throw it short. I could throw it high. I could throw it right. I could throw it left. Like, all those things are perfectly in play. But, like, throwing it at that angle is just, just seems impossible. Yeah, so some of the confidence comes from that because I pitch to him sometimes. Right. And that's a little more nerve-wracking because I don't want to hit him or I'll pitch to his friends sometimes and I don't want to hit them. And I think just going out there, I know it's a farther distance. I'm not saying I'd be great at it. I'm just saying usually I'm, I have an irrational lack of confidence about things I do. And this would be the one exception of something I think I could nail. I like it. No, it's good. I but, you know. I, I think I'd do okay. Um, you know, like I, I would. You got to throw it hard. That's, that's the key. thing. But not too. Also, you can't. You know, it, you got to it, go it's for a fine it. line. Because it's not like, like you don't want to. You not, know, yeah, you don't want to do like the really soft toss. Um, but also, if you really try to whip it, that's where you might just spike it three feet in front of you, or or sail it into the into the backstop. Because here's, but here's the problem, right? Like you go. You're already a little nervous, so you're going to be juiced up yeah, a bit for sure. to throw it. 
But like don't do a whole windup and stuff. It's like you never practice with a windup. But just do like a regular hard throw as if you were tro- throwing to – like you were in a game, right? And you're trying to throw it out. For, like don't try to massage it in there. It's just not going to work. Yeah. I think that would be my strategy. Also, he should have practiced with a real ball. The weight difference should, is very di- – yeah. And, and the appropriate distance. And I think he could have got it. Now, the video he got I think makes it worth it. Oh, I think that's 100%. way funnier and way more interesting than if he threw just a slightly outside pitch. Yeah, you either uh, so want what you it. did or you want to throw like a bullet strike, like just a perfect down the middle, yeah. like, hey, check this out. How many feet is it? Uh, 60 feet, 6 inches. 60 feet, 6 inches. So that's what, – what is that in yards? <laughs> How many meters is that? 20 and feet. change? Let me see. 60 feet, 6 inches, 2 meters. I'm a, I'm a big meters, and we're going to go here. 18 meters. That's not that far. It's it's not, but it, it's. I think it seems farther than you would think. No, that's the exact line from the from the start-finish line to the two-mile start, because two miles, 18 meters longer than 3,200 meters. Yeah, it's just like, so, I think when I you're know, standing up on the mound, it's it's further than you think it's going to be. Well, because you got that mound, you got that mound status too, right? Yeah, you're up high, you're probably feeling that. So I wanted that you couldn't simulate. And so I feel like usually my... you're not actually like you're at the very front of the mound. Like they don't actually put you on the pitcher's mound usually. So what are you throwing from then? Like fifty. Usually, feet? yeah, usually like the front of the dirt. So like, yeah, you're talking, you know, fifty-five to fifty-seven somewhere in that range. Dude, I'm getting more confident. I don't know. I'm <laughs> never gonna be able to test this too. That's the other reason. It's true. I think I could get it in there. Pretty good. Like, what's the is the best first pitch? Is it just is it George W. Bush? Man, he threw he threw a that's a hell of a pitch. It it, it was impressive. Um, yeah, but like, bet is that like on the compilation? I I think that's got to be, especially the situation and everything too. You know. Yeah, greatest celebrity first pitches, fastest ceremonial first pitch. Do they get the the radar gun out there too? I've also seen one. I've seen a couple where it was like a. uh, what did, did like was it Simone Biles or one, uh, some gymnast oh, did like flip. a flip and threw it too? Like yeah, those ones are always cool where they they integrate their you know their specialty. Okay, Nolan Ryan did one and actually threw it. That doesn't. Yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, Russell. Oh, Russell Wilson. Man, th- Russell Wilson. Fired there's this line. nun who I just pulled up MLB's greatest first pitches, and this nun just fires a strike. A- Eighteen meters is not that far away. It's not, but it's you know. It's just uh, – I think it's the combo of uh, – Oh, this guy, Randy Johnson. You heard of him? He's mm. on the first pitch. 2015 Hall of Fame inductee. I wonder if he's qualified. It's not bad. You know, one of the uh, the second most strikeouts in history. Okay, that guy sailed it, but he threw it fast. Oh, is that Charlie Sheen? Yeah, it was Charlie Sheen. Oh, wild thing. He threw a he – threw a, yeah, he's wearing a blue – he went for it. These are the fastest ones. That's what they are. This looks like Greg Maddox. These are all just former players. Say, this former this former Hall of Fame pitcher seemed like a good uh, good, good take. Yeah. I mean, he threw that chest high, though. Oh, here's Kaepernick. Let's see. Oh, wow. He whipped it. It went a little wide. The guy was able to catch it, but it had, like, movement on it. Did he play baseball? I think he played baseball, right? I wouldn't be surprised. I know Russell Wilson like, played all baseball. All those guys are so, like, insanely good athletes, you know, where I'm just like, yeah, I would not be surprised at all. Okay, what did Mariano Rivera do? Because he's about to do I bet he threw a cutter. Pitch. No, I'm saying, what did he? Oh, was, he's wearing he's wearing wingtips, <laughs> like a dress shirt. Looks like he's. Uh, yeah, these are this is dumb. This is all like former players throwing. I wanted to see. See, I'm seeing yeah. a lot of like weird, like random people, and it's good. All right, let's keep rolling. 
Sorry, tangent. Back on, back on track. Uh, okay, so this is the running podcast. All right, uh, cross country follow up. This is Marshall again. Several weeks ago, I embarked on a journey to race several college slash open XC races this fall. I ended up with five races, three college, two open. I learned the following. 1A, running on grass is hard, especially when you do not train for it. It took me until a third race to get into a rhythm. 1B, I still live with a constant fear that at any point during a cross-country race, my legs would give out and I would fall over while running up a hill. (laughs) This nearly happened during every race. 2, great competition. In most 5K, 10K road races, I usually find myself running by myself or with one or two other people if I'm lucky. Uh, for most of the race. Case in point, I ran a flat, fast road 5K last week and basically won the race in the first 400 meters. In each college cross country meet, I was able to roll with the pack for most of the race. Three, not having a team sucks. I will say not having a teammate slash scoring probably kept me from going all out on a race at any given point. Four, spectators. I'm a big believer in crowd support during a race. Out of the hundreds of races I've done on the roads, only Boston, Chicago, and Big 7 have a constant flow of spectators cheering you on. Meanwhile, Multiple loop cross-country races allow for spectators to cheer at multiple points. It's great. My new plan for the foreseeable future is to run an outdoor track and fall cross-country season for the foreseeable future. I'm decent enough that I can compete with NAIA and D3 runners, not the top of the top, and it's way more fun than running solo on the roads. Finally, what is more stressful, being the number one runner on your cross-country team or the five, six, or seven runner? All the best, Marshall from St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. Um, okay, that last question, if I had to power rank them, seven is the least stressful. Yep. Six is the second six, least. <laughs> six. And then for me, now I, I have very limited experience uh, in that number one spot, but I would just say number one. Yeah, one's uh, got to be the answer, right? Over five. Now, if you were like like a legit number one and you were going to be the best in the meet regardless or you're the NCAA favorite or you're your high school state favorite and then you're thinking to yourself, man, even if I have a bad day, I'm so good that the worst – the most damage I can do for the team is scoring like four versus one. That's not going to impact the total points very much. Then I could see it. Or if you're, but if, if you're, if like, you're the, f- the fifth guy and your six, your six runner is basically non-existent, there's like a several minute gap. Then there could be a little pressure on the five. Exactly. But in my small experience being number one, it was like, yeah, you could get this or you could have, you could be three minutes slower because you just decide <laughs> to shit the bed today. So for me, it's one. Yeah, I think it's one. I mean, you know, our our senior year, we kind of had me, you, and Casey work the kind of co ones rotated. Yeah, yeah. So like, it just kind of depended on the day. Um, but yeah, like that was the big part of it. Yeah, five. I think if you have a, even if you have a six runner who's pretty close, there's not a ton of pressure there. Um, but uh, like I said, only if you're you're pretty much only running five, or the gap between five and six is big, then uh, and your team's good. Like right, like you had a chance to actually win or sure, finish on the podium sure. or something. Yeah, exactly. And you never know. The thing is, too, if you're five, you don't really know what's going on. You could be in a very important spot right now, or you could be wholly irrelevant. Yeah. You don't know. Whereas with number one, you just you, you have a better idea, I guess, of how things are going. Although whenever I was running, I was really bad whenever I thought – if I thought too much about what was going on around me. I know. It's weird. I overthought something. <laughs> I can't believe it's it. Crazy. Okay. So – Oh, and I think it's awesome that he's doing this yeah. and going back to college. I love it so much. Like, it's so good. He's Zach Efroning it out there, and I love it. <laughs> you should, he, your friend should make you a movie poster, Marshall, about how you're going back in time. Uh, yeah, keep it up. Let me know how tracks he's Or Rodney Dangerfield, back to school style, you know? I know there's a bunch of movies. Have like him do that. the triple indie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got one here from Brendan from Long Island. This is Blasphemous. Subject line. Ooh, I, uh, I already feel like I know the, the tone of this. 
Can we end the distance goat versus road goat versus 5K, 10K goat debate and just give the crown to – who's he going to say? I'm guessing he's going to say Bekele because of the, the cross. Gab. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Is his, five, is his six global outdoor track golds and nine medals fewer than Bekele's eight gold and ten total? Yes. However, Bekele ran each 5 and 10K record once, whereas Haile G ran the 5K record four times and thrice broke the 10K world record. Ooh, interesting. When it comes to major marathon victories, Kipchoge far outpaces Geb's four wins. However, however, two and equal two world records run to date. So he broke the world record twice. Let's do the math. Across 5K, 10K, outdoor track, and marathon, we have Haile G, nine world records, six global gold, Four major victories equals 19 goat points. Kipchoge, <laughs> two world records, three global golds, 10 majors equals 15 goat points. Kenny B, two world records, nine global gold, two majors equals 11 goat points. Oh, man. Mo Farah, zero world records, all due respect to the hour record, plus 10 global gold and one major equals 11 goat points. To Kevin's point on the last pod, Bikaley is certainly closer to Farah than he is to being the goat. Yet so is Kip Choge. Wow. I love it. Apologies for the soapbox speech, but I've long felt Geb's constant breaking of his own world record gets massively overlooked and fans of running forget how good he was. Plus, now that the commute back to the office is a thing again, I have a half hour on the train to kill and type out an email. That is Brendan from Long Island. Well, Brendan, sir, this is amazing. Um, I like that you invented <laughs> a statistic and then used it to – uh, further your point. It's great. That's tremendous. Yeah, great job. Great job. I mean, goat points. Interesting, though. It. So, I mean, it, it, by this argument, Geb's there, but like Kipchoge, win a few more, maybe set the world record one more time. Catching up on goat I points. Say he, I mean, he could, he could, he, I, I mean, I would put the, the over on him winning three or more majors slash Olympic golds and everything like that, right? So, Geb, what was the, see, I got to look this up. Let's see, 10, can you Google 10,000 meter world record progression? I should know this, but I don't. Here we go. Found it. Okay, so Geb took it from 26, oh, sorry, Geb took it from 2652 down to 2643. Wow. But then it got taken from him. Yeah. And then he got it at 12.38, and he took it back and put it at 12.31. Then it got taken from him again. This is cool. I didn't remember this. Got taken from him by Paul Turgot at 12.27, and then he took it down to 12.22. But Kayleigh broke it by two seconds and then broke that record by three seconds. So all total, he lowered it by five seconds throughout his career. Highly throughout his time, took it from, it was 12.52, and he left it at 12.52. Uh, 12, 26. 12, yeah, yeah, replaces all the 12s <laughs> with the 26s. Um, and then brought it down to 26-22. So he brought down 30 seconds. Interesting. Because sometimes I would say, hey, just break it by a lot and do it once. Because <laughs> then if you want, if your goal is just to rack up goat points, Mondo's going to get a lot of goat points at one centimeter every single time. And he just gets another goat point. Yeah, that's... Uh, hmm. That's a good, uh, you know. I, I mean, I, and Geb is, you know, I think I think he's probably right. Geb's underrated by this, uh, you know, our measure. He, like he should, he should, he's on that, he's on that Mount Rushmore, right? I guess if uh, if we have the four there, that that's your four: Farah, yeah, Geb, Bekele, and Kipchoge. Well, and then you have 
Well, you got guys from other eras then too. I I would have to go back and we have to put everybody through the goat points. It's true. Test to see where it's at. It's gonna fun. be tough. Yeah, double digit goat points is a is a good one. Not <laughs> easy to do, right? Yeah. All right. We started with Noah. We're gonna end with Noah. I've been listening to your one sided debate about who the real distance running goat is, Kipchoge or Bekele. Well, now it's changed. It's a triangle. And while it can be fun to go around in circles, no track pun intended, the question can only be answered if you're willing to define your terms. Contrary to what you guys seem to imply during your last episode, you can make an argument for either Bekele or Kipchoge, depending on your criteria. It sounds like your primary criteria for goatness is runner domination of the field in his or her event. How far superior to second best were they? Think of sitting the four hurdles or mono the pole vault among distance runners, Kipchoge fits the bill to be sure. But for other fans fans of sport, the definition of GOAT might be more closely tied to a combination of range, think Syed Oida or Stefan Hassan, versatility, Turgot or Bekele, longevity, Nick Willis or Allison Felix, medals, Mofera, records, Zatapik, historical influence, Jesse Owens, or impact on running culture itself, Prefontaine. Okay, listen. I like Pre. No one's saying he's the five and 10,000 meter goat. No, but I, I, I think this is just an example of someone who had significant running culture. You know, yeah, if you yeah. had a Hall of Fame, if you had a Hall, but this is who is the greatest runner of all For time. For sure. And Nick Willis is not anywhere on a greatest of all time list, but longevity. Okay. He's a good example of someone who is good for a long time. If you want all those things, none of this. None of these answers is strictly right or wrong, since it is each <laughs> fan's prerogative to decide what we value most. A person's choice of goat tells me a little bit about what they value. For you guys, for example, World Cross doesn't seem to count for much. So you toss it out. Fair enough. But for the runner who grew up with a life of cross country in the fall, 5,000 meter racing in the spring, and transition to marathons after college, all three of these should be weighted more equally. Which led me to another possible solution. Just hold a hypothetical head-to-head competition between Bekele and Kipchoge in the following events. 5,000, 10,000, World Cross, and Marathon. Those four events do, after all, define distance running, right? If they ran those events every year for 20 years, who would have the most wins? I think it has to be Bekele. Yes, Kipchoge would keep it close, but distance running isn't just marathon running. And because of recency bias, we forget how absurd Bekele's dominance was. Cross, track, medals, records, a legit 201 marathon. Bekele was otherworldly when he was at his prime. For all the kids out there, you have to trust us. Bekele uh, did to his events what I saw Kipchoge doing to the marathon today. I saw him run 26-25 in person, and it was absolutely as impressive as any major marathon win. But an entirely different way to have this conversation is to break it down by era. For each era, we have a dominant distance runner. Pavel Nurmi, Emil Zatopek, Lasseverin, Sayadawida, Haile Gebrselassie, Bekele, and Kipchoge. Each of these guys in this order had their moment as GOAT. And isn't it actually better to embrace them all in a pantheon of greatness? No. The best way to do it is to argue about it <laughs> on a podcast. Uh, that's no. In Oregon, P.S., last week you asked, who has ever dominated something crazy like the 805,000? The answer, of course is the OG GOAT said, Oida, he had Olympic gold in the 5,000 before he ran 143 in the 800. He ran sub-13 in the 5,000. In the 80s, a world record was the first person to break 730 in the 3,000. He also notched a 27-27 in the 10,000 at a time when the world record was 27-22 as an 8 to 1,500 specialist. Uh, and he sends along a photo where he was at the pre-classic when Bekele ran 26-25. Um, oh, he's in the picture on- too. Yeah, yeah, he's in yeah, the background. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He's on the on the rail. On the rail. I think but when you go through that uh when you go through that laundry list, like you could see why I'm so high on Kipchoge. Right? Like the range is there. Yeah, it's not eight it's not say at a eight hundred to to five, right? I mean he ran a fast ten thousand too. But like 
But he was a 5,000 gold medalist. Right. He was a 5,000 gold medalist. Um, and then you go to, what's the next category? Versatility. Here? Which is similar to range. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, that, that's like a code word of like, jam, put cross country in there. And I get cross country was important to him. It's important to me too as an athlete. But as a pro sport, it, it, it was second fiddle. Right. So yeah, it kind of like uh, playing and half marathon majors, like the well, world and your, th- yeah, it's like, how much our- does that, you know, okay, that, that's great. But like, how much do we, how much do the athletes care about it? Versatility or longevity. He's got that. Yeah. He's Me- medals. He's got his, I mean, he's getting as many as he can. I guess you could throw major wins in there too. It's the same thing. Records. Yes. Historical influence. Yes. And impact on running culture. Yeah. I guess, yeah, the, the hypothetical meet them at their prime 5'10", World Cross, and Marathon. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, Bekele, Bekele, Bekele would, would win that. I mean, yeah. Um, but I think it's sort of arbitrary to put Cross in there and not put a half marathon. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's, you know, I, so. it's, I guess you could say neither of them competed in the half marathon much, but Bekele, uh, Kipchoge didn't really compete in Cross much either. Um, I mean, and overall, yeah, he's absolutely right. Like, the era of goats is, is a much more logical way to do it because it's just, if guys aren't directly competing against each other, like, you know, comparing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to LeBron James, it's like, all right, like it's fine. You know, you could, you could talk yourself into whatever you want and it's like, it's totally, and I, and I, and I don't think you're, you're wrong either way. Um, so, so, I mean, I think he's absolutely right. I think it's just kind of fun to, yeah, to argue about stuff, but I, I agree with him overall. It's like, what's the point of comparing it? And then, you know, then you get a comparing across events and stuff too. And it's, it's, it's an impossible thing. Um, you know, but here's the thing though, were they in the same era? <sighs> kind of, but cause that's where it gets difficult. Yeah. Like they were in the same era, but it overlapped at a lot of key points. Rarely actually directly competing. <laughs> like exactly. But they're only, was it four years apart? So you can make a list but it's not as if it's not saying Geb and Kipchoge were in different eras is obviously the case. Yeah. But I think it becomes difficult when you have people basically overlapping and then you're saying, all right, well, this guy was better in the five and the 10. This guy was better in the marathon, which I'm not, I'm not disputing that Bekele was better in the five and the 10. For sure. Kipchoge is better than no one. No one would make that argument. I don't know. A lot of Noah talk. I like it. It's interesting. It, it is. I mean, it's a fun. It's a fun conversation, uh, and that's why I enjoy it. And all these guys are incredible. So that's the, that is the thing. You know, whether you throw in Gebre Selassie and all those other guys too, it's just like, yeah, these guys are insane. Like, so first, hold, hold on. What was Bekele's first? Let's see, first medal for Bekele. Uh, was oh three, oh three. Is that right? Yep. Same as Kipchoge. So isn't it hard to say they're different eras then? It's not. Yeah, like, they're three. They're like three and a half years apart. Um, yeah, same era. But yeah, I'm but sorry. they but they both started in 03, and they you know one won the five, one won the ten. We think they're different eras because Kipchoge's prime is still going. That's why we think they're different eras. That's the insane thing, and, and that's not like and still Bekele's like still had an insanely long career. Yeah, which is you know like it's just like. Kipchoge is breaking all the. Kipchoge's still going. That's the crazy thing. And I know you see you it's, say Bekele's still going, but not really. Um, well, it's it's because it's also because Kipchoge's like the part when Bekele was thriving was when Kipchoge was pretty low key, right? 
So Kipchoge wins that gold, but then until he moves to the marathon, he's not getting headlines, right? Yeah. Like, what's he doing in, I got to scroll way back here, 04, right? What's he doing in 05? Like, he's ma- he's making teams, he's getting medals, but the reason the reason he moved to the marathon, right, he misses the team in 2012 for Kenya on the track. Yeah. He gets seventh in their trials and then and then moves up. So there was – I get from that perspective that the eras are different. But then if you look at the age and then you look at when they won their first global gold medals, it's like these guys should be in the same era. It's just Bekele had, had 03 to 2012 and then Kipchoge has the upper hand from 2012 on. Well, so, really – Maybe they are. Maybe that is. Maybe they are just different. Maybe, like well, and really, Bekele. I mean, it's really 03 to 09, right? I mean, yeah. My yes, you're right. I mean, he's, you're right. Yeah, he's not doing anything. He never medaled after that. Um. So, yeah, he goes 03 to 09. Um, and it's you know it's yeah I said it's no matter what it's imperfect. Kipchoge won four medals on the track, which is you know a gold, two silvers, and a bronze. Like that's. It's a good track career. It's obviously not anything close to Bekele's track career. Um, and then it's and then you go back and forth. You're like, okay. And then Bekele had a 201, and you know uh, a major win there. Second at London, third at London. Like, it's like okay, yeah. You go. Those are relatively similar, but overall, um, yeah. He had the big one. Yeah, he had the big. Yeah, yeah. So it's good, but like I, I just to. The, the the one I keep going back to is like so call call Bekele's marathoning and Kipchoge's track career a wash, right? Mm-hmm. Which fine like that they're they're close enough to me where I'm like okay cool, um, but I just what Kipchoge's done in the marathon just redefined everything and that that to me is more impressive. But that's not to undersell Bekele. And I think for the record, ouch! I just hit my mic stand. For the record, that hurt. <laughs> I think these should be two different conversations. I think the marathon is way different than the five and the ten. Yeah, <laughs> I said are. that at the beginning. Yeah, they, I, I mean, they are. To get this point you across. get people who do both because it's a progression thing. But yeah, yeah they are. They're, they're they are completely different. It's like you could say, like, hey, the you know eight and fifteen guys, and then compared to the five and ten, it's like, well, there's some people who go from the fifteen to the five and ten, right. but they're different things. You know, they're yeah. not. But yeah, but you like to have arguments. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Noah. Appreciate it. Thanks, Marshall. Thanks, everybody else who wrote in. The email address, houseofrun at gmail.com. Jason and I will be back next week. Jason will officially be a year older. 39. Wiser. 39. Close. Still older than Kipchoge. So keep on. <laughs> keep I on. keep waiting for him to pass me like he passes everybody else. We'll talk to you guys next week. Jess Guinness. Bulls are 1-0. Oh.